Hello and welcome to another episode of The Scrum, WGBH News' political podcast. I'm Adam Riley. I'm joined today at our ethereal Boston Public Library studios by my colleague Peter Kadzis. Peter, hello. Hey, Adam. And also by two very special guests, Heather Foley and Maureen Dayhill, who, among other things, are behind a podcast of their own. It's Caught Up, and then what comes after the colon? Help me out here, guys. Maureen. Uh, Caught Up, a podcast from South Boston. Thank you. Caught Up, a podcast from South Boston. We wanted something that would fit on the front of a (laughs) (laughs) T-shirt. Nicely. (laughs) We went with that. That's what we went with. And I should note that you guys are not just uh, from and of Caught Up, a podcast from South Boston, but you are also involved with the uh, South Boston, what should I call it, online magazine website. Mm -hmm. Caught in Southie. Caught in Southie. Can you describe that a little bit more? Sure. It's basically what you said in a nutshell. It's an online magazine about South Boston. We we report on anything from news, politics, entertainment. Dogs. Dogs. (laughs) How to park during a snowstorm. Dogs that drink. Yes, exactly. Yes, Yes, exactly. Um, So everything like that, nightlife, uh, the brunch scene. Actually, I'll say as someone whose kids are as my wife and I are rediscovering a personal life, mm-hmm. as our kids are getting older, they have great weekend tips on stuff to do. Yeah, oh, we Peter, do. Yeah. I don't, what have you been doing? Uh, <laughs> He's on the Southie scene. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> I'm no still idea. at the That Sounds Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, do we days? have to go out? <laughs> yes, if we have to go out, maybe we'll venture to Southie. So, Maureen, you founded Cotton Southie, right? Yes, back in 2009. It started off as more of a blog, and the whole idea of caught in Southie was the concept that even though people moved to the greener pastures of the South the su- Shore, because yeah, <laughs> <Shore, laughs> everybody from Southie moved to the South Shore, there was something about Southie that they still came back. Like, they still registered their kids for South Boston Youth Soccer, or they were going to Joseph's Bakery to pick up a tray of pizza. They were still back here. So... I said it would be funny to do something that where we would catch them back in Southie. Did you think about... Oh, I get it. I get yes. it. So you were going to... I see. All right. So it's caught. not like caught like up like, like they can't caught. get out, but caught like, aha, here's well, it's kind so of a caught, but it's kind of morphed into that there is something about Southie that does bring them back, and you do kind of get caught in South Boston. So uh, founder, editor, and publisher as yes. well? Yes. All right. And Heather, you write a column? Yeah. Uh, I write stuff here and there. You Heather can't is call you a columnist? Yeah, you, know, you can call me whatever you yes, want. Yes, you could call her a col- columnist. She's a wildly popular columnist, so people are always asking for more Heather Foley. And how, Heather, would you describe the uh, the focus of or the spirit of the columns that you write for uh, Cotton As Selfie? far as focus, none. Um, <laughs> the spirit would be, uh, I write a little bit about everything, kind of anything that catches my eye. It doesn't have to be necessarily Southeast specific. No. Although there's plenty of Southeast specific. She is our stuff. in-house advice columnist. So like she'll do. A, just um, waiting for someone to ask me <laughs> for advice. <laughs> Any day now someone will so ask me a question. So she'll do like a really good like bus etiquette. Like yeah. don't be a jerk and wear your big giant backpack on your. On yeah. the, yes. Who would have thought that I would, yes. I would be the voice of etiquette right. in South Boston. She has a really popular one. It's um, five guys to avoid in Southie. <laughs> That's so I Seriously? can have them all to myself. That <laughs> Wait, was the trick. And there, there really are five guys. Not, right? I did not specific a first name and last no, name. No, there are stereotypes. stereotypes. Oh, okay. Of right. So, uh, like, don't avoid, like, Joe Schmo. I was going to say that's Because really he didn't call me once. <laughs> that's cool. so what, what, that, what, there would be a lot more than five if that was. What right. were those five types? 
Um, um, and you don't need to do all of them, but I mean, I'd love to hear them off. You can well, one might be can't. like your typical selfie guy. Yeah, right. like your presents all fell off a truck. Yeah, <laughs> off the back <laughs> of a truck. What else? He might live Gillette in razor blades is what you get, you yeah, know. Things like that. And one like, was like, like a bro. Yeah, because like we have a lot of younger dudes. So the guy that still lives now. like he lives in a frat house. Is that like a, like a, and, and I, you know, the caveat I got to give here is that unlike Peter, who, who grew up in the city, I didn't even grow up in Massachusetts, grew up what? far away in what you guys like to call <laughs> flyover country mm-hmm. in the fair state of, of Minnesota. So is when you're talking about the Southie bro, are you talking about a, a new a transplant new? bro yes. or like an old school bro type? I, I think I think bros can be from anywhere. Yeah, we have a lot of younger 20s guys living as if now. like so living like, like they're still in a frat house exactly but i mean are these guys who who you know grew up came here? from the midwest or came from california or came from texas and are working in the pharmaceutical yes, industry mostly. Yes, exactly. mostly yeah. mainly yes we it's not you, you can be originally from southie and a bro oh interesting you could be but most likely you're probably living with your parents <laughs> and not paying yeah, the rent. bro lifestyle yeah right all right um, and so you guys both both Grew up. Are you born and raised? Both yes. Of you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. And how did you get to know each other? We got to, well. Actually, Heather's a lot younger than I am. Not a, no, not <laughs> a lot younger. <laughs> but she grew up right across the street from my nana's house. So I remember the Foley family um, because they grew acro- uh, and across. And I babysat street. your cousins. Yes, and also she um, was is very friendly with my sister. Um, so that's how I became friendly with her. And we became closer through the website. She started writing for me. And then we realized we had very similar sense of humor. And the friendship kind of blossomed yeah. from there. Kind of not probably the only people who can tolerate such high doses of each other <laughs> at this stage <laughs> of the game. So We're both are <laughs> each other's biggest fans, <laughs> you know. So Mutual admiration society. Yes, yes. exactly. Yes. Yeah, Peter, I, I got to nudge you to offer a characterization, <laughs> which I think you gave these guys when they came into the BPL. I want to make sure that we get it on the podcast itself. How did you describe the way you perceive the two of them when you hear them talk? Because it, it struck a chord for you, right, oh, in a good oh, yeah. way? Uh, it, it, it was the... the the first time I listened to the podcast, um, within caught up a podcast mm-hmm. from Southie. Yeah, yeah it's it, a mouthful. <laughs> it, I um, it, it 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 they, you two sounded like my sisters, right? Yeah, the wedding mm-hmm. or um, <laughs> my cousins. Um, right. I've got thirty nine first cousins. Oh my wow. goodness, um, Jesus! And um, uh. My mother was Irish Catholic. Right. I'm Lithuanian. So oh, I'm married to a Lithuanian. Oh, you poor kid. Galunas. <laughs> but um, no, when it, it, uh, listening to the podcast reminded me of like, they, you know, big family functions. Right. After a while, the guys were all in one room and the, the ladies women, were in the, the other, other room. Yep. And then the kitchens mm-hmm. all mixed up with everyone. And it, it, but, but specifically, it reminded me of listening to my two sisters, right. you know, having a, a heck of a time talking about everything. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that's n- what we do. <laughs> not, not, too, not too seriously, no. but in the humor, there was often an awful lot of truth. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you said also that, that uh, your sisters would have been deeply informed as they were doing this, right? So even if oh, they well, weren't yeah, I think serious, in terms they knew of, a ton and of I, stuff. I'm talking in terms of, I think, many Boston neighborhood political discussions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about p- people from all different neighborhoods, but mm-hmm. all real Bostonians. Um, 
uh, men and women all hold strong opinions. Mm -hmm. um, the women's opinions tend to be rooted in fact. Mm -hmm. Now that fact may be gathered from reading the newspaper mm -hmm. or talking to friends at the supermarket or picking information up at the beauty bar, but it's all really good, solid information. While the information we guys have is uh, a little more amorphous. <laughs> Connected to our own insecurities and <laughs> sense of inadequacy, yeah, or, right? Or yes, to some degree connected with insecurities. I think also connected with a certain vision of the world, which isn't always a particularly flexible vision. Um, but no, I was really struck in, in that, in, in that while your podcast isn't overtly political. I mean, no, but we up, do talk about no, it. No, you do talk about it, but that what, what really grabbed me right away is I said, ah, this is an authentic voice of what real Bostonians mm -hmm. are like. So before we get into talking about explicitly political matters, I should note that, Maureen, you have a history I do. Of seeking elected office. Can you describe that history for our <laughs> do listeners? Do I really want to bring that up? <laughs> well, it's just, you know, you don't need to yes, dwell I on did. it. But I ran for state senate, God, back in 2011, I think it was. And it was the best thing I ever did and the hardest thing I ever did. People always ask me, would I run again? Absolutely not. <laughs> really? I don't think so. I really don't think so. Um, my life is very, very good right now, so to overturn the apple cart, I think, would be really hard for me to do. I mean, we have an election coming up now, and there were murmurings, people trying to get me to run yeah. for District 2, but... Oh. And she doesn't want to leave the keys to Cotton Southie in my hands. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the biggest deterrent for her, I think. So, so that seat that you ran for, that was Jack Hart's seat, It was right? Jack Hart's seat. Um, Linda Dorsina Forey is now our state senator. Yeah. Um, it was a special, um, and it was a huge learning experience. What did you learn? I learned that politics ain't easy. It's, um, it doesn't necessarily bring out the best in people, um, but people are genuinely nice. I did learn that. Wait a minute. Some people, <laughs> are, ge some people are genuinely nice, but some people, I don't know. It can be ugly. Did you run into nasty ad hominem stuff when you were... Running, yeah. I mean, it was a, like I said, it was a quick election, yeah. so um, I don't want to say it didn't get down and dirty too bad, but it went you know, it divided our neighborhood, and people who you thought you know were good time buddies of yours, maybe not so much during this. So, I remember that sort of dramatic piece that Billy Baker wrote for the Globe about right, you right. running and then maybe being recruited to run again, right. uh, in which he uh, cast you as someone who was trying to bridge yes. the old Southie and the new and Southie. You know was that is, a good characterization? It is. Right? And I also say I don't think they were ready for me at that point. Who I, wasn't? The old Southie? Old Southie, yes. I, honestly, I don't think that they were ready. No, I, I remember that. In, in and so I don't think they were necessarily ready for that. Um, so now, how many, what, Five years later, so maybe it was actually it might have been 2012. Now I, I have can't 2013 remember. in my head, but I'm 2013. Wrong you might be right. Stuff. 2013. I don't uh, even know what year it is. Now. <laughs> I know, kid. I'm like, what year is it? <laughs> so now it's so funny because you know when I brought up the issue of you know allowing LGBTQ to to march in the parade back then, it was like 
I was turning against my neighborhood. And then now everybody jumped on that, like, you know, three years later. So it's so interesting that it, the neighborhood did a complete shift. So that's one thing. You can feel good about being no, ahead of the curve there, right? Absolutely, well, absolutely. It, it's amazing in terms of politics in general how quickly things have changed. And, and, you know, for all the extreme progressives who are always talking about, you know, the negative sides of this, mm-hmm. um, the change has been remarkably fast. Oh, yeah. Um, you, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people listening to this won't realize that Larry DeCara, a, mm-hmm. a Boston City Council who grew up around the corner from me in Dorchester, when Larry ran for mayor... Um, he had uh, a pro-LGBT platform, mm-hmm. which was considered, like, beyond the pale Is at that the 1983? Yeah, around then. Um, yeah, I, I just mean the, the change, not just in Boston, the change in the nation. In the nation, right. Ha- has been so rapid. Right. I mean, and I've heard older people mm-hmm. say, you know, relatives of mine, geez, what was the big deal? Right. Yeah. Since we've established your expertise. Yes. I want to ask you, too, about the election that we have coming up, which, Maureen, you mentioned a moment yep. ago. We've got a city election coming mm-hmm. up. Mayor Walsh is seeking re-election. Yep. Your district councilor, Bill Linehan. He's out. A former would-be St. Patrick's Day breakfast host. He is out. Mm-hmm. Various people are running to replace him. And obviously, there's going to be an uh, at-large election for the four seats on the city mm-hmm. council. As people, to the extent that they are looking ahead to the fall, talk about these elections what are the issues that are on the minds of people in Southie right now the serious topics that they're uh, grappling with the number one is obviously development is a huge issue it's a huge um definitely a hot topic as far as um almost the overdevelopment of the neighborhood but it's like now a moving steam train it's not going to stop um they announced today that 16, almost 1,600 new units are going in right at um, the old Boston Edison plant. I saw that. And I knew, I think people realized it was going to be a mammoth of a project. I don't think they understood. I know I personally did not understand yeah, yeah. 1,580 units. I was like, I what's mean, big? 200? 300? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. It is. And 1,600 so, is crazy. You know, it's, the, it's the, the things that I hear most about... Um, in Southie are the quality of life issues. You know, no parking. That's a huge issue in our neighborhood for whatever reason. Um, another big one is the bus, the, the bus. MBTA system. Yeah. There's literally 50 to 75 people at every bus stop in, in the, the morning. morning. You, you're serious here? Yeah. No, no, I'm serious. I worked in the 50 to 75? When I worked in the financial district, oh, I would... Sorry. Sorry. No, no. It's yeah. like the viewer yelling over each yeah. other. <laughs> I would drive to the first bus stop because if I waited to L Street, I wouldn't get on. It was like four buses would that? go by. And that was five years ago, six years ago. So I'd drive to the first bus stop, sometimes get towed because they had different street cleaning than my street did. And I would cut off the bus and there would be no car so there. So how long would it take you to get from Southie via bus to the financial district? In, if you go at 6 o'clock in the morning, it takes five minutes. Yeah. Yeah, if you go at seven, minutes, seven yeah. or eight, it could take you an hour because oh, oh, five buses could, well, five buses could yeah. go by completely full before you even get on one. So when you say people talk about overdevelopment, 
Are they thinking about the seaport when they talk about overdevelopment? Yes or not? And no. That was kind of a wasteland, right? Right, before. it was a wasteland. That's I where I learned to drive because there was nothing <laughs> down there. Down there, it was just parking lots. That's right? all it was. It was, was Harborside. The, the bribe was if I went to church at the Lady of Good Voyage, I could drive home. Right, because there was nobody down there. Is that actually where you would go to church regularly, Lady of Good Voyage? Uh, pretty regularly because it was a fifteen-minute mass, and seven o'clock on, on Sunday, Sunday night, night. The Lady yeah. of the Last Minute. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. I yeah. remember seeing that place. I moved here in 96, and I remember, for whatever reason, being down in that neighborhood and seeing that chapel when there was nothing, nothing around, around there. it. And, it was, and, and now, it's, it, it, is it shut down? Do they it just reopened. It just reopened. It reopened okay. in a new location. Yeah. But you'd be hard-pressed to see. I mean, every time I set foot on the seaport, I'm blown away at how much has gone yeah. up. Just oh, since it's like, insane. Well, listen, wh- when I was a little boy um, on Sunday mornings, you know, we'd all go to church, and then on th- there were five of us at this time, maybe six, five, five of us, I think, at this time. And my dad would every Sunday morning take us out of the house mm-hmm. somewhere so my mom could make Sunday dinner mm-hmm. uninterrupted. And about every fourth week, we'd go to the water, which was really? the waterfront. Mm-hmm. And there was a huge fishing fleet there. Mm-hmm. And we'd see all the fishing boats. And, you know, sometimes if there was a guy there, he'd let us on. And we like, whoa. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, the change has just been Oh, remarkable. there's like do, new streets down there. It's, it's really insane. I think what people are thinking of more like the neighborhood proper. Um, I mean, down near Broadway Station, that whole area is crazy. Um, not crazy, but hugely developed crazy crazy i think crazy is a good and it word seems like what people are getting upset about is that wherever there's going to can be condos there's going to be condos and not just like right three levels of condos it's like you know 12 units in where a three it's not no longer a three family being converted into three condos it's giant buildings going up. right now, but but this is happening all over the city too. right now i it's particularly dramatic in South Boston, mm-hmm. but I live in Jamaica Plain now. Is it starting to come down? It, well, it's every vacant lot or lots that have been right. vacant for the 24 or 5 years right. we've lived there, there's apartments or townhouses going up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we bought our house when we could afford it. Right. I, I'm not sure we could afford the neighborhood now, but what's this doing to... You know, rents in housing prices. Well, in I think that's the other point is that it's sad to say that I think that for me, I'm fourth generation South Bostonian. My kids are fifth generation. I don't think, I'm not sure if my kids will be able to stay here just because it's so expensive. I don't know if they'll be able to afford to buy a home in South Boston. I think that's what bothers me most um, that there really is no affordable yeah. middle class if I wasn't in a family class. house I'd be in a tent at M Street Park right like there's yeah rents are so expensive and that's why you're seeing people living like college because they're living it might be a three bedroom but six of them are living there so it's two people in each bedroom and um, so it's really interesting to see let me ask a potentially indelicate question mm-hmm. the political culture on the whole is pro-development. Right. And at the same time, they're pro-affordable housing. I don't know if we... Can you make it work? I don't know. Well, well that's where I'm getting at. And I, I'm not asking for a policy prescription, although... Oh, I have one. Shame you're not asking. I guess <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll put it back in my bag. I don't know. Policy yeah. prescription. What you is don't it? want it. Um, no, 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 no. <laughs> I think we'd love it. No, if you it, got it, it too late. <laughs> he said no. It, it's... Um, I, I don't see how it, 
continues I don't to think exist. He, I don't know if it can exist either. I mean, then even when they say affordable housing, it really isn't even that affordable because mm -hmm. I think it's like 15% less than what the median the median is. Yeah, and the median's crazy. Right. Yes. Every affordable email um address like affordable housing email I get, I open it and I'm angrier than when <laughs> yes. I didn't open it because I'm like they need a dictionary. That's not affordable. Like, right. It's affordable to someone who doesn't need it, but right. it's not affordable. And I don't think there's any developer. Like, a developer is in there to make money, and I don't think there's any developer that's going to, out of the kindness of his heart, is going to be like, oh, you know, I'll sell these for yeah. 200000 Right. I'd rather have families in them, so I'm going to yeah. sell them to families. And even the other thing was, and they are starting to do it, is they're making, like, three bedrooms so people can stay because w what I'm noticing even – from my block is we have what somebody might consider a yuppie couple, say. Okay, so two people that met when they were single, married, bought a condo, had one baby. Now they had a second baby, and they're like, we can't, we can't afford to stay to li live here. Like, yeah. how are you raising kids here? And it's like, well, we've lived here for a long time. So do you live, uh, Heather, you mentioned you live in a family house. Is it, mm -hmm. was it that you inherited from your parents or from an aunt or uncle? Uh, well, I keep telling them I'm going to put them up Marion <laughs> Manor, which is the nursing home. <laughs> but it's a multi-family, my parents, my aunt, my son, and I. Okay, got it. And Maureen, are, are you I'm place? in a single family. Okay. My husband and I bought a single family back in 2001. Oh, good time. For a nickel. <laughs> no, it wasn't for a nickel, but now it seems like, oh, well, why didn't we buy 10 of those? Right. But at the time, what we paid for it was a lot of money, you know? It, is there must much tension between, you know, new people and old people. No. No, that's, the, again, the sense um, I have. It's, well, when there's an issue, the old like to blame the new and the new like to blame the old, but there's guilty on both. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's jerks everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So well, When you say an issue. But it, like but an issue like, um, oh, um, the new people don't pick up their dog poop. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, really? That's funny because back when I was a kid, Nobody even walked their dog. They were just wild dogs roaming, <laughs> roaming the streets. And nobody was it was unheard of to pick up poop in the 80s. Nobody no, nobody walked that. their dog. If you were walking your dog back in the 80s, that would have been insane. You would have looked like a crazy person. Right, exactly. Um, another issue would be like, um, oh, the new people don't know how to park, right? Or they don't know how to shovel out uh, after a snowstorm. They don't know just any how minor to do annoyance. it. But then it's guilty on oh both sides. Oh, my God. Right. You made that. These are the things I say in Jamaica Place. Right, it's the, the same thing. The neighbors don't know. Exactly. <laughs> oh, so it's, oh it's, universal. it's universal. So it's like, you know, it's no, no matter who the neighbor is, whether it's the old neighbor or the new neighbor or whatever. But for most, most, you know, I don't, people just want a nice to place to live. And to blame someone else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if people want a, a nice place to live that they can afford to continue living in, and if they also want to blame someone else, is there any uh, simmering dissatisfaction with the Walsh administration since the mayor? And this was, you know, I think yeah. the, the, the currents at work here, that, you know, they go way beyond City Hall. Right. They existed before he became mayor. But since he has presided over this right. really extreme change, do people fault him, do you think? And does anyone say, hey, I'm going to vote for Tito Jackson? This, Some people this do. Point? They don't necessarily come right out and say, I'm voting for Tito Jackson, but they might be like, well, I'm not voting for Walsh. Like they're blaming him for, you know, 
the issues that there was a lot of having. I think kind of crazy Walsh hate around the parade every year whenever there's a room where it's going to be shortened. Yeah. And people kind of say, well, right. he's been wanting to cancel the Southie parade all <laughs> along. That's because he's from Dorchester. He's from, like, I bet he wasn't, doesn't touch the Dorchester Day parade. And right. this is like, said, oh, right. Heather Foley, with total seriousness. This oh, isn't absolutely. People, oh, no. this is like people are outraged. No, the emphasis is, the, is mine. I would but still say, though, our neighborhood is very much Marty Walsh country. I, like, for yeah. the most part, I think people are supportive of him as the mayor. Um, like, again, like you were saying, it, this isn't, this isn't, this didn't just happen because he's mayor. This has been a long time. You know, people like to blame the current politicians that are in office, but this has been moving forward for over, tw- over 20 years. How about the, the, the race for city council, though, mm-hmm. is... is much more to the ground. Right. And, and That's going to be an interesting race. Yeah. What, what are your early thoughts? Well, it seems like what my gut instinct is it's going to come down to Eddie Flynn and Mike Kelly. I think are going to be the two finals. Can you, for listeners who won't know their background, can you describe these guys? Here, sure. Eddie Flynn final? is a lifelong Southie. My neighbor. Re- yep. Heather's neighbor, um, lifelong Southie resident, family guy, uh, father of two kids. His son plays on my son Henry's Little League. Um, son of the former mayor. I was going to say son of the former mayor, um, Ray Flynn. Um, served in the U.S. Navy, actively involved in the neighborhood. Uh, Mike Kelly is from the South End. Um, I don't know. How would you describe Mike? I don't, I don't really know. Right. Mike, I, um well, people can Google. Yeah, you know. I mean, yeah. Um, was he he's in su- the Menino administration? Yes, he's a former Menino, um, like neighborhood liaison. So he's very um, well known in the South End. Um, South Boston and the South End are a large part of the neighborhood, right. but Chinatown and I think a little bit of Beacon Hill are, is it's a pretty large it's district. A funky district. Yeah, it's a very a funky district. district. I, I was surprised um, around St. Patrick's Day to see how much. Establishment support. Um, Ed Flynn Flynn was he right. got ten, 10 labor unions announced today that they're supporting him. So for me, just because I know what it takes to win an election, yeah. you need that union yeah. support and you need that money coming in and you need those boots on the ground that are going to be knocking doors. And so is Ed Flynn Walsh's preferred choice? Do I think? don't know. He hasn't said um, one way or the other. Um, I think, I too, know. a big wild card for s- this any election coming up is how many people who live in Southie now who aren't from Southie are actually registered to even vote yeah. in right. Southie, as opposed to registered to vote in Norwood, where they grow up because well, they plan on the going thing. back There's there in three years. There's always such low voter turnout for local elections, and which is always blows my mind because I feel like that's more important than even on the national level. Like, you know, to go to vote during a presidential election, you have to wait and or a local election. Well, maybe not so much because it will be a mayoral race, too. So, um. Although I don't know if anyone, and I say this as someone who doesn't live in the city, but I feel like that hasn't generated the, the No, only like political nerds. Like, yeah. yeah, right. Would like know, us. Yes, exactly. <laughs> would know about that. But I think things will definitely heat up over I think the summer. Noticed, things get a little nasty on Twitter. Yeah, like between their yeah. camps, not necessarily yeah. them, but between their supporters. Yeah. Like between, you're talking the mayoral yes. camps? Yes. What have you noticed? Uh, I've, I've noticed What's the most obscene tweet? <laughs> Sorry, I Well, some you. people get crazy on well, that's social Well, I think media. people get crazy to begin with. It's nothing right. they would probably ever say in real life. There was even one the other day that he later deleted that the school superintendent 
tweeted to wait who did this i totally missed <laughs> this. oh uh, what's is tommy chang yeah, is that the school yeah. Sub- he tweeted to a bps parent it was nice to meet you at whatever function the other day even though uh you're like so nasty and give a hard time to marty walsh on social media get out yeah peter did you catch this no i didn't. did you screenshot it <laughs> so i saw well someone screenshot See, it and sent it to me no they, I, I, i'm eccentric i follow almost no politicians um, that is eccentric. It, it's <laughs> I, I I deal with them day in. Right, and that's day your out. work. Yeah, Twitter that, is your escape. It, uh, I, you don't I, want your Twitter feed to be flooded yeah. with all the No, yeah. and th- there are some who like Stan Rosenberg before we started the podcast or anything. Mm-hmm. He followed me, so I thought it was like, oh, polite. I have to follow him back. <laughs> right. The so polite there, rules of society. Well, yeah, there are certain things Etiquette, like, yeah. um, you know, someone who'd like said something nice on Twitter mm-hmm. that you could tell they meant it on right. a non-political right. subject. And then I follow them back. But by and large, I try to stay away from mm-hmm. politics. You know, th- this actually, uh, and, and I don't want to derail the conversation with this awkward acknowledgement. I, I used to follow both of you guys, Maureen and Heather, and I think for reasons that are totally explainable, <gasps> I don't think I follow either one of you right now. And I'm going to rectify that. Wow! Shots fired! I, no, 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 no. Here's what, what I do. What I, what I tend to do. <laughs> what I tend to do. And this has bitten me on the ass. And before. he admits it. No, no, no. Yes. We wouldn't know the difference. He no, could no, no. Pull, be, no, pocket follow have, us right you now. You would have if after this, then I went and I, I like followed you. I remember doing this to, right. to uh, Abby Ruzica. Not right. too Unfollowed long ago. Abby too. She did a screenshot. She was like, "Hey, thanks for the follow." No, after every big election, like a gubernatorial election or a presidential election. Were you mad election, I beat you in that no. primary? <laughs> yeah, I was mad about that. But no, I unfollow everyone. Like in one fell swoop, there's some Twitter thing that lets you do that, and you're down to zero people, and it feels really cathartic. Oh, like and then you start you to start build back, it back up, up again. And you just like sometimes wow. drop the ball. No, I see so how it is. No, I, so, uh, no, I get that too. And sometimes right, I guess like we're going to wrap up there. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, no, I think I only recently followed you, Maureen, because I always followed Cotton Southie. Right, right. But the, 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 they're not yeah. right. quite. The right. same. No, right. no, 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 no. Um, so did anyone report on that thing about Tommy Chang going off on so. Twitter? See, this is why it. I'm never going to unfollow you again. Well, after there you I go. There's your boots tonight. on the ground <laughs> yeah, right there. there. But that's right. like that's where we find a lot of our scoop uh, about we Southie. We have eagle like, eye people. Yeah, we do have people that are on the on the scene and, you know, at home listening to police scanners or something. <laughs> I, I don't know. Refreshing that Twitter feed. Another boots on the ground report. I This might have gotten a ton of play in Boston media that I just missed because I I am not always as encyclopedic as I should be, but I did not know about the controversy over Dennis Lehane's speech. <gasps> oh, I, yeah. just, I was just thinking about this. In advance of our conversation that we're mm-hmm. having right now until I read it or read about it on mm-hmm. Caught in Southie. Mm-hmm. Um, how, did this get attention elsewhere? Or it w- did. Uh, well, yeah. I know the Globe wrote something about it. I never read the Globe. Um, I can't trust anything. Boston say. Magazine, I think, did. Okay, so the Herald. It did. Yeah, exactly. WBZ, all just all the major WCD. news New outlets. Times, <laughs> Financial Times of and London. And the only reason why I heard about it was, as of course, because it was about South Boston. Yeah. And, you know, and it's always like anything to do with busing just makes me always go, Ooh. Can you recount for me um, what it was that Dennis Lehane... Don't let him trick you into saying it. Don't let him trick you into saying it. So Please. basically his point of um, uh, what he was talking about South Boston oh. in 1974 and the busings is it was a cautionary tale of not to look back and glorify the good old days because I'll tell you what the good old days 
quite was. a leap in a college commencement Right, was back in speech. 1974 when he was traveling through South Boston in his car with his parents. He got stuck in the middle of a busing riot and um, that the crowd was going crazy and whatever. And he used the N-word. So he said that people were shouting the yeah. N-word, people he, opposed but to... But, he, yes. but, he s- in, but he said it in his But he actually speech. said the word... So people, I think, were to- totally like, I think looking around at each other, like, so people during the commencement were actually tweeting at Emerson saying, why is it that white people feel like they can just say that word? Um, he did quickly apologize. It, he faux-apologized. I know. Heather feels like he faux You think it was a faux-apology? Well, because it said, I'm s- I was trying to convey the, authentic- the authenticity. I'm sorry if, you know, I'll that upset you, people. It, 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 That's it, a housewives apology. Well, I just feel like it's a funny thing to bring up for a commencement speech. Like, it's such a bad time for Boston. Like, that whole era. Well, I, I, I was 21 years old, 22, I think, when I started at the Globe. And I started covering you know i was one of an army of people right. covering um the second year of busing the mm-hmm. first year of busing i covered for a small now defunct community newspaper the public housing news right. which was for public housing residents right and they're not times to take lightly no it's um, heavy it's a heavy and, topic and, and i i got the impression that no matter how well-intentioned mm-hmm. he may have been he, he was trying to sort of wrap it in, in a, like, package to say, see how much better we are today. Right. And I happen to be someone who, who thinks the city is much better than it was then. Right. And I do think that, that there perfect. are some people that, like, we go through this with, with Cotton Southie, um, you know, like, the same thing. Like, back when we were kids, everybody picked up their dog poop. And it's like, no, we didn't. Nobody picked up their dog poop. So uh, not to say that that's the same, but people do like to (laughs) look back fondly and say the good old days before the new people came in. But I think that was his whole point. Like, you shouldn't always look back. You have to remember even the bad parts. I mean, quote Springsteen's glory days then, man. You don't (laughs) need to drop N-bombs at a college Well, I feel like especially, I don't know. He's not from South East. He's from Dorchester. Well, well. <laughs> yeah. No, no, he's no, from Dorchester, and, you know, he has street cred. He's a legit Dorchester guy. Although he know. wasn't talking to a South Boston audience, right? He's talking to an Emerson College audience. Yeah, who right. some people. Who like probably had never heard of busing, yeah. period. Well, see, th- 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 this is yes. a point a- Adam and Jason, though, I brought up on this podcast before. That's Jason Tresky, our producer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, there's something that's happened in the city in the last couple of years, and that's that there's a, a whole new generation of people have come into positions of power and authority mm-hmm. um, that did not live through busing. Right. And this is just nature taking its course. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there were a couple of instances. I, I would say the um, uh, the controversy at Boston Latin mm-hmm. School over um racial tension there, Mm -hmm. which was a legitimate issue and deserved attention, but it would not, in the days after busing, Mm -hmm. when either Ray Flynn had been mayor or Menino had been mayor, and any number of black community leaders who were active here, um, everyone spoke for many years. Before they opened their mouth, they thought about what What's the what's the implication of mm-hmm. what I say? How could this be interpreted? Mm-hmm. Because they knew one wrong word 
could cause a lot of grief to a lot of people. That's right. one wrong word. Yeah. And in well, those times are they're are, very well I know gone. like just but but as a result you know the the head of the NAACP, the mayor, um th- th- it's a whole new generation of leaders who don't feel constrained right. that way. Maureen Deho, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, like, as a generation of growing up in the 80s, there was still that, uh, that you were, you would get, where are you from? South Boston, you would get, oh, like, you must be a racist, even though I'm not a racist. So, you know what I mean? So there's still that stigma that is attached to that generation or generations that came out of South Boston that, People automatically think, well, you must be a racist because you grew up during that time period. Um, so I think sometimes when somebody brings up that topic, I don't know, it just opens up old wounds and, you know. Well, wh- what, what happened, I know, in, in my neighborhood in Dorchester. Right. It happened across the board. It, it, it happened across the entire city. Right. And there was white flight. And mm-hmm. the, the, the fact of the matter is, most people who were, let's just say they were racially insensitive, mm-hmm. they tended to leave the city. Right. And, and the, the people who were more, they, they weren't saints, but more live and let live, right. tended to stay. Around. Right. And I think that's sometimes where there's that chip on their shoulder, like old school, like my dad's generation was like, back during white flight, we stayed here and look, <laughs> look, look what good it did for me because... I can't even find a parking spot out in front of my house. Like, <laughs> like honestly, it comes back around I've to that. I've never even thought of that. You know oh, what I mean? Oh, when my, the neighborhood I grew up in in Dorchester was, was changing. Right. My, my dad said, I don't care who my neighbor is. I'm only looking for three things. Painter's house, uh, four things. Right. Painter's house, mower's grass. Right. Watches kids. And don't take my parking spot. Right. It's true. (laughs) Those were the four criteria. (laughs) Pete Gattis' criteria for a good neighbor. On that note, we got to wrap it up. Uh, I want, before I thank you both, can you tell people where they can find Caught Up, a podcast from Southie? Heather, why don't you take that one? Uh, iTunes. Right. You can download us on iTunes. Subscribe and Subscribe and and give us a good rating. We have poor self-esteem, so we can't (laughs) handle a bad rating. Um, Libsyn, right? Yeah, Libsyn. Um, and then you can, uh, for more news, I guess, and entertainment about South Boston, you can go on cottonsouthie.com. And Cotton and Southie and the podcast both have Facebook pages and Twitter Twitters, accounts. Yeah. And pretty easy to find. MySpace. Yeah. Speaking of, of Twitter, if people wanted to follow you, <laughs> interact with you, learn Like if you wanted to go for follow example, us now, yeah, yeah. <laughs> better um, follow us. Uh, what are your Twitter handles? No, <laughs> I'm uh, Hotel Foxtrot, and I'm uh, at Maureen Cott. At Maureen Cott. At Maureen Cott. Yep. Got it. All right, Maureen Dayhill, Heather Foley. Thank you both for coming thank in. Thank you and for having you us, Peter Katz. This was thank you. A lot of fun. Yeah. And thanks to our listeners, as always, for sticking with us through another installment of the Scrum. You can find us on iTunes as well. You can also find us online at blogs.wgbh.org slash scrum. You can always email us with ideas or complaints <laughs> or just to say hello. Our email address is scrum at wgbh.org. Our producer is Jason Tresky. Peter Kadzis, thanks for being part of this. Always a pleasure. I'm Adam Riley, and the Scrum is a production of WGBH News. Mm-hmm.